0: First Peter, chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as ye know, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead, Gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls, in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. Grass withereth, the flower thereof fadeth, or falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Ye so be ye of taste, the Lord is gracious, to him coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, a lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. To you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness in this marvelous night, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now tonight I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do. I'm going to look at three words in particular that are in this passage of Scripture. Know, grow, to show. We didn't know so that we can grow so that we can show. So that's the title of the message, No Grow, and Show. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. I pray that you help us and give us understanding into thy truth, help us to learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of thee that we might be better equipped to show forth, to be a reflection, to represent our Heavenly Father and our Savior to a lost and dying world that is without hope without God, headed for a place called hell for all eternity. So Lord, just give us understanding and encourage us and grow us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Proverbs 4.18 says this, but the path of just is as a shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day it speaks about the principle that a just person should grow or should be shining for the lord more and more as they grow in the grace and knowledge of the lord jesus christ and of course to to do that to shine we have to first have some understanding. We have to have some knowledge. If you're gonna do anything in the world, if you're gonna you know, do septic inspections or, or, or work at the city of Raleigh and the IT department, you have to have some knowledge about what you're doing. You have to have first knowledge so that you can actually go about that. And most places expect you to grow in that knowledge. In fact, if you want to be promoted, guess what's going to be required? Growth in that knowledge. So that you can be more effective in your service in whatever field you are in. Same is true in the spiritual realm. The Bible says here in verse 19 of chapter 1 For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed of corruptible things as silver and gold from a vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How well do you know God? You know, the word know uh, has the idea of knowledge or understanding of a thing. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep me that that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, To understand or have a comprehension or a security in knowing that he was kept or secure by the power of God required first some knowledge of God. He had to know who God is. He had to know about the person of God. He had to know about the person of God. Uh, In... First John chapter 5 verse 11 says, This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the son of God. God, God's word is the record. It's the, it's the, 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 the witness or the, uh, uh, testimony by which we are going to be judged and by which we understand and know God. It's the revelation of God to us. It reveals His person. And so, uh, we have to have, to have knowledge of God, we must have knowledge of the Word. Uh, you know, knowledge of salvation comes by the Word. Here in chapter One of 1 Peter it says, verse, verse 23, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So how can I know that I am saved? How do I measure that? By the word of God. We measure it by the word of God. That's our measuring rod, if you will. It's how we know. It's not an it's not based on my experience or my feeling or anything like that. It's based on the word of the Lord that is that is preserved forth. Uh and of course this 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 testimony of God was given to us by men who 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 were witnesses of those things. And uh and you know, and they gave testimony of it. So we need to have this knowledge, but we need to have more than just a, well, I know that person, you know, probably all of you know who George Washington is. I mean, you know he was the first president of the United States, and probably all know that he was the general of the Continental Army, commander of the Continental Army, that his home was in uh, Valley Forge, no, it was in Mount Vernon. Um, just testing you there. You know, uh, you know, you know some things about George Washington, but how well do you know George Washington? You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Now, Paul here is not talking about a casual knowledge. Oh, yeah, I know know who George Washington was. Or I know who um, George Bush, President George Bush, I know who he was. He was president some years ago. Um, He's not talking about somebody he just met as an acquaintance. No, we're talking about somebody he knows closely. An intimate type relationship where I know him. I said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship with his sufferings. I want to participate in the a life that he desires and that pleases him. You know, how closely do you know the Lord? You know, I might, I might say, you know, all of you know Bob Mitchell, Pastor Bob Mitchell. Okay. How well do you know him? Do you know where his home state was, where he was born? How old he was when he got saved? Or what sport he was a champion in in high school? How many children does he have? What's his favorite place to eat in this area? Probably most of you know that one. How old is he? What's his address? Where did he live before he lived and moved to Maine? Now, some of you could probably answer a lot of these questions, but some of you don't know many of them. See, some of us know him better than others of us do. You see, God wants us to know all we can know about him. Because the more we know about him. The more we're going to grow. And the more we're going to show of him. You know how much do you really know about the Lord? You know one of the. One time we had a youth activity. Before Nathan started doing it. Doing the preaching there. I I didn't preach to him. I just asked them a bunch of Bible questions. Tested their Bible knowledge. You know. How well do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you give me a verse that supports virgin birth? Or a verse that demonstrates that Christ existed before His appearance as a baby in Bethlehem? Or three proofs. Can you give three proofs that He is the Son of God? That He is God? You know, you could say... Well, the resurrection, Romans 1.4 said He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Of course, the miracles proved He restored life. He forgave sins. All those things indicate this is not just an ordinary man. This is God. Or well, a verse that teaches that Jesus Christ will judge the world. Second Timothy four one says he's going to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. Actually, Isaiah nine seven says he's going to rule the world on his shoulders. The government—I uh, can't remember how it goes—but the government's going to be upon his shoulders. And uh, uh, or a verse that teaches that God humbled Himself and became a man. Philippians two five through 8. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being uh, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, how well or how closely do you really know God? You know, you don't learn about him on TV or surfing the internet. Do you know that God is sovereign? That he is holy? And to to learn about God or to know about God, we have to have a desire or realize that we need to know about him. Now, a little Callan and even Mia, I don't think, understand or know what it takes to grow. I don't think Mia's figured out yet that if I don't eat, I won't grow. I mean, sometimes we have to really you know push her to get it in there, but but uh, you know, I don't think she's figured that out yet. But if we want to to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, we have to spend time in His Word. We have to give attention to the preaching of His Word. But we need to spend time ourselves in the Word of God that we may grow thereby. Notice in verse 2, it says here of chapter 2, "...as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the Word, that you may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted, the Lord is gracious." So if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you ought to have a desire... Like a baby does for for milk, you ought to have a desire for the Word of God so that you can grow. Actually, this is a command that Peter gives later in Second Peter chapter three in verse eighteen. 2 Peter three and verse eighteen he says, but grow in, the, in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we are commanded or instructed that we ought to grow. And so this requires, of course, that we spend time or gain knowledge of who God is. It's like sitting down at the table... And there is the food that will make us grow. But you have to put forth the effort to put it in your mouth. You have to eat it. And exercise it. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, God wants us to be continually growing and maturing in our walk with the Lord. And of course, this requires... That we spend time in His Word learning of Him. Studying His Word. Uh, Ephesians 4 excuse me, Ephesians 4 and uh, verse 22 says that you put off concerning the formal conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitfulness and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and truly true holiness. You see, as a sinner, an unsaved sinner, I had, I had learned the, uh, the conversation and the way of life of the old man. And that's what I followed. But when a person gets saved, they're given new life in Christ, and they need to have be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You need to have your mind renewed reprogrammed. Yeah, the world programs us. We've all been programmed a certain way by our upbringing, by the world around us. We're being programmed right now. You realize that? You're being programmed. Did you ever think about that I think a lot of people are, they're, of course, they're in fear, and they're also suspicious. Do you, do you feel this way? Like sometimes if you, drive, if you were driving to certain areas... And you see certain people standing on the street corner, it might put rise thoughts in your mind of suspicion. By the way, we're being encouraged to squeal on each other. What are they doing? They're trying to program us into obeying all these orders and things that, you know, and follow a certain pattern and be pliable to those in authority... the authorities that are over us... that want us to control... want to control our lives. We're, we're being programmed. But you know, God has a program. He says, "...be renewed in the spirit of your mind... that you put off concerning the former conversation... the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts... and be renewed in the spirit of your mind... and that you put on the new man... which after God is created in righteousness... and true holiness... Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Remember one another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him in the stole steal no more, but rather let him labour, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So, you see, God wants to reprogram, or is working in our lives to reprogram us into the way that pleases Him. And so, of course, this comes about by spending time in His Word, allowing the Word of God to fill our minds and to reprogram our minds. You know, to reprogram a computer, you have to put out the old and put in new stuff. Now, it's easier to do that with a computer than it is with a mind. (laughs) Obviously, a lot easier because we can't just pull everything out that we don't want there and get rid of it. You know, it's like the solution to pollution is dilution. <laughs> uh, we have to put in more good stuff and ask God to help us forget and overcome the bad. What's the reprogram? And we do it by the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. You see, the lamp reveals our surroundings. A light reveals the way in which we ought to go. It gives us understanding. It gives us understanding. And so... If we want to grow, if we want to grow in our Christian walk. We have to allow the Word of God to reprogram us, to reprogram us. So we need to we. So we need to know. Secondly, we need to grow. Thirdly, that we might show. Look at First Peter chapter two verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous night, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The word show here means to tell out or to tell forth or to declare abroad, to publish. In our life ought to tell out or declare that we belong to the Lord. That we are a child of God. It ought to show, it ought to demonstrate that. By the way that we live, the places we go, the things that we do, the things that we say, our our conduct. Uh, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Excuse me. The Bible says there, A year of the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, and so we are to be a light to the world that reflects on our Heavenly Father. Now, as your children often reflect their parents, you know we we might say that, you know, I'm sorry, Dave, but you can't deny Bradley. I mean, he just looks too much like you. He's a reflection. Ah, uh, you know. They've said they've always said you can always tell about her. You just can't tell them very much. Um, (laughs) But you know the children often reflect their parents. You can you can often tell, you know, who they belong to. And as children of God, the world ought to be able to tell that we belong to the Lord. We ought to be a reflection. We ought to show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you know in, a time, in, in you know, particularly in a time like this when people are living in fear and without hope and, and uncertain of so many things we have hope we have certainty we have assurance god has not changed god has not moved and we need to trust it him And, of course, we do that by abstaining. We abstain from fleshly lusts, uh, verse 11, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that is referring to the unsaved there, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, as God's people... Way to be known for some things. Second Corinthians chapter 3, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and challenged them on this. And when, it, when he said in Second Corinthians 3 verses, verses 2 and 3, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men, forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. You know, they had just, this is, a, this is again, understand, this is a church that he, in First Corinthians, he had called, said that you're, you're carnal and walk as men. And, you know, they, there was all kinds of wickedness going on in the church and division. And Paul wrote to them to correct it, and they corrected it, demonstrating to the world that they were, they are the children of God. In other words, we aren't going to do any of the things like the world does anymore. We're children of God now. And they were demonstrating to the world that they were the children of God. You see, we ought to be known for people who do good works. Good works don't save us. But good works are evidence of salvation. Of true salvation. Not for reward. Just because it's right because many times your good works will not be rewarded we need to do our good works just because it's right not for reward we need to do our work for our employers or whatever we're doing whether we're and even whether we're self-employed or not we ought to do it in a good way because it's right not for reward but because it's right You know, that's really what being honest is. Giving or earning your living. Not earning your living is being dishonest. It's cheating. Telling the truth. Being kind and charitable. Known for doing what is right regardless of the cost. You know, having a filthy mouth or vile music. I remember, quite a few years ago, we had a guy, a couple guys working with us. We were replacing a a big house roof. Wait for us. And uh, so one of these guys brought in a radio. Uh, Eyes up on the roof. Time got a radio out of the truck. Set it down by close to the air compressor and turned it on. Of course, the music—you know—I wanted to take a shotgun and blow it apart. But uh, music wasn't was rock or something. I don't know what it was. Can't remember, country or rock, about the same deal. Anyhow, and uh, and then him and the other guy took their shirts off. It was hot. I grant you, it was hot. But Nathan and I had ours on. So, when I came down for break, I said, I'm sorry, but you need to turn that off. And I said, I'd appreciate you to you put your shirts back on. But about that time, a neighbor across the street came walking over, interested in a price to do his roof. And he said, that music sounds like they would, sounds like somebody that would Work with beer. (laughs) We didn't get the job across the street. I said, well, I didn't bring that in here. I said, I had it turned off. See, people know. They judge you by what you do. And they should, they should see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, I want you to notice something here that says in verse 12 having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may not appreciate your witness and testimony. You may not appreciate you always standing for what is right or not going along with something that's not exactly right. However, however, they will greatly respect you for it. Because notice what goes on instead. said. They may speak against you as evildoers. They may not like. They didn't. That one man in particular didn't like it that I told him to turn the radio off. And they didn't like it that I told him to put their shirts back on. Because they were used to working that way. However, it says here they may speak against you as evildoers. They may, by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now what that means is, in the day when calamity strikes their house or their person or something happens to them, or judgment or some catastrophe happens in this world, comes upon them, they're going to remember that you are somebody that had hope. You see, we are known by our doings. Proverbs 20 verse 11 says, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. If a child is known by, and I think there's an implication there that it says even a child, that's implying that we are known by our doings, even children are. And so, if we are known by our doings, and He says here that we are to show the praise of Him hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, so that they will glorify God in the day of visitation, when 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 uh, a catastrophe strikes them, they have someone they can go to, or someone that they respect, that they believe actually has a relationship with God. They will remember and come to you for answers. The world doesn't have answers. They're without hope. Remember, there was a man, his name was Willard Carper. He uh, worked on appliances. And uh, he lived Milk Creek there how far off right twenty two. He's telling me one day about a neighbor he had. He's an alcoholic. He said I witnessed to him quite a few occasions and he didn't he didn't he didn't want to hear. He didn't want to listen to me. He so said then he had a heart attack. Ended up in the hospital. But he said he didn't call his drinking buddies. He called me. See, his drinking buddies didn't have any hope for him. They didn't have any solutions to his problems. They didn't have any answers for life and what he was facing, death. But he knew Willard did. And see, that's what it means when it says, they may speak against you as evildoers. He didn't like Willard witnessing to him. But when calamity struck his life, he looked to Willard. He glorified God in the day when God visited him, his house, with judgment. Why? Because Willard showed forth the praise of him who hath called him out of darkness into this marvelous light. You see, we are to be a reflection of of who God is. You know I can't save anyone. We can't give life and light to anyone. But we can reflect that in a way and show them from the word of God the source of life and light. And that is of course the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Bible says that ye are the light of the world, he's referring to the fact that we are sort of like the moon. The moon doesn't give off light. It reflects the light of the sun. And we are to reflect the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, the lost and dying world. We're to show forth. We're to declare abroad. We're to publish the good tidings of peace not only by our words, but by our life, by the way that we live. I know this kind of sounds kind of silly, but a little girl asked her mom, does God live in us? Yes, God lives in us. Is God bigger than us? Yes, God is bigger than us. Then shouldn't he shine through us? You know, if we will learn and really get to know, the more we get to know God and we grow in the grace and knowledge of Him, the more we are going to shine forth or the better reflection we are going to be of Him. But that starts with knowledge. That's why it's so important that we spend time daily in the Word of God. Reading, meditating, thinking about, learning from God's Word. Who God is. How He can direct. How we ought to conduct ourselves in a way that pleases Him. Seeking to follow Him. Allowing Him to fulfill His will in our lives. So know, grow and show. Might God help us to show forth the praises of Him to a lost and dying world. Let's pray.